da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Hello, Star Wars fans, Mam Fam, and Mam VIPs. And welcome in to another Mad About Movies Star Wars post-game show. Four days later. This time, in honor of Solo Story, a Star Wars tale. I mean Solo, a Star Wars tale. I mean Solo, a smuggler's story. There we go. I mean Solo, a Star Wars story. Is that right? Is that the one? Something. Yeah, I think I, think I, that's it. I, think I got it in there. You just assemble the audio yeah. later. You'll find it in there somewhere. <laughs> right. It uh, feels like it was only six months ago we were talking about the last Star Wars film, The Last Jedi. Turns out it uh, was. It's weird. It's It's crazy how time flies when you're not having fun. It's incredible. (laughs) But uh, here we are again to talk about Star Wars yet again. And I am joined by my cohorts, Brian and Richard. Hey, guys. Hello. What up, playboys? I'm back, back in the game. Yeah, you're back. Came just after back, I came back just for Solo, I believe. Yeah, my uh, huge Tandy Newton I, fan. You don't miss any Tandy Newton project. I don't. I never <laughs> have. Premier. Ever since Mission Impossible yep. two and or three, three. That was the Philip Seymour Hoffman one with her. Just been ride or die for Tandy. So <laughs> two, two, I believe. Two. Yeah. But no, that's MI one with Metallica. Yeah, MI two. Is she in MI two? Yeah. Who's in MI? Oh, is MI three? Yeah, you're right. Hey, well, guys, um, just as soon as I'll be gone, uh, it's time I disappear. So, see you guys later. <laughs> hey, 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 great, hey, great hey. playlist that I'm subscribed to on Spotify. <laughs> MI2. Ken and I are the only one. Got to hit one. subscribe just in case they update it with some new <laughs> 2018 edition. Um, well, you never know with the Durst, dude. The Durst is making moves. You missed out last week, yeah. Richard. Uh, Deadpool 2 talk. It's good times. I've missed Deadpool, I think, both times. Really? Yeah, what's your uh, deal with Deadpool? I don't I'm not a fan. I don't, understand. I don't like... Uh, I told you I really hate Green Lantern, and I won't. <laughs> uh, it just won't come off you, of it. It's funny, because no, you would love I Deadpool, it. too, in that regard. <laughs> no, I... I yeah, I uh, agreed. I watched Deadpool on an airplane last week to celebrate, while probably while you guys were recording, because I'm a, a kindly gent like that, so... But, uh yeah... I, I, I've yet to, to see Deadpool 2 because I had to see this this week. So I'm going to catch it this week, and maybe I'll give a mini-review in, in weeks to come when it's not relevant whatsoever. <laughs> well, special shout-out to the VIPs uh, this evening, today, this morning. Uh, this past week, we talked about uh, The Great Escape over Memorial Day. That was a good time. And, so uh, good. So if you want more Mad About Movies episodes, check out the VIP club, madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP where the party never stops. Um, we do have some movie news, rumors, rumblings, notes to go over before we talk Star Wars. Normally this would be all Star Wars. Last week we talked a little bit about TV, more so TV in, during this segment. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've pushed some movie news, uh, rumors, rumblings, notes to this week. Uh, just a few things we need to hit that are kind of blockbustery uh, related. Uh, dropping today, actually... Uh, news of the Spawn reboot that's apparently still happening for some reason. <laughs> um, they're rebooting superheroes now that aren't already a part of the DCU or ECU or VCU or whatever. Uh, yeah, or the EU. VCU, mm-hmm. yeah. Sweet 16, right? Final Four? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and 
So Spawn is happening again. I don't know if this casting choice is safe or risky. You guys tell me. I don't know if you guys have seen this note. <laughs> um, so apparently the lead, who I guess is playing Spawn, or maybe Spawn is the bad guy and this is the opposite of that. I don't know in the direction. <laughs> um, Jamie Foxx is headlining, I guess, this uh, project. So is that a safe move? He's a, a, he's a proven yeah. commodity, but also he's not the hottest up-and-comer. So uh, maybe they would want to make somebody maybe a little bit younger if they were looking to make this into yeah. three or more movies. I don't know. What do you guys yeah, think? Yeah, Jamie Foxx is someone who's proven to be um, one of the most talented and uh, versatile actors of his generation. I think we can all agree on that. Someone who is enormously gifted. Um, in, in a variety of different things and delivers often. He's also known to do a lot of terrible movies. <laughs> so it doesn't right. make me confident in this at all. You know what I mean? You could, you know, it could be awesome. I'm, I'm open to it ruling so hard and Jamie Foxx owning it and it being great. And I'm open to it being, you know, there's, there's a lot of direct to on demand Jamie Foxx movies that still come out all the time too. <laughs> I, you know, it doesn't, sure. uh, he does, his involvement does not solidify me because uh, he's a uh, he's a paycheck Hall of Famer, which I mean that as a great compliment. I would do the exact same thing. <laughs> he he does kind of one for him and crushes it, and then does about seven for I think the money. I and think that's Annie awesome. was done for the art, though. I mean, uh, we can well, all agree, course. Annie. I think <laughs> absolutely remake and was this all stealth. it's pure art and stealth. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I kind of liked him as a, in a comic book world in the Amazing Spider-Man Two, I believe it was. Um, he was Gosh, fine I in that. About that movie entirely. Electro. Um, I don't know what to think of this. Uh, Blumhouse is producing it. The horror giants of Blumhouse, so it'll, maybe it'll probably be R-rated. I'm guessing they'll go darker yeah. with it. Um, I just don't know if, if we need Spawn, uh, especially with Venom coming out, and we're already getting all these dark horror movies. I mean, uh, comic book movies. And so I don't, I don't really know what to think. I'm not a big Spawn fan. wasn't really a big fan of the original movie. Uh, I'm waiting for a Blade reboot any day now, though. Why hasn't that happened 50 times now? Uh, how how funny would it have been if they brought back Blade like at the end of Deadpool two, right? And that's the way they bring back Blade, like Snipes as Blade. That would have been a really cool way to do it. I, don't, I think Marvel owns the rights to it, not uh, not Fox, but um, Marvel Studios, not uh, Fox. Yeah, um, yeah that so cool. that would have been a cool fun kind of tongue in cheek way to bring back the character. And I don't know, I I don't know where I fall on new superhero movies, let alone rebooting old ones that didn't really work. So, what are your guys' thoughts on this, Brian? Spawn? Fan. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is a mo- no. I'm not. I'm not a Spawn fan. Um, but there, the, there it's are the only Spawn Seth MacFarlane that I respect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they're the same. Um, the, yeah. <laughs> uh, the end of. Um, but there are a lot of Spawn fans still. I th- I think that that property has some sort of cachet. It's certainly not as big as it was when that first movie came out but i'll say this that first movie is friggin' atrocious like yeah uh you know a front runner as one of the worst movies of all time and so if you kind of do the i don't chance, know yeah, like, yeah you guys remember like, being 90s children i was always oh, very confounded gosh. by this and maybe this was only my local shops but i went through a two and a half three year baseball card 
phase mm-hmm. and right. starting lineups. And you would go to these. It was the last. It was a the heyday and the last whimper of baseball cards in a weird right. way. The nineties. It like right. peaked and then R. immediately R. went away. And I would go to these baseball card shops, and they'd be like, "Here's our, um, here's the baseball card. Here's all the rookie cards." Ken Griffey, <laughs> over here. Uh, over here, we have uh, starting lineups. There's a Chipper Jones one. It's pretty cool. Um, over here, we have basketball cards. There's a Gary Payton uh, selection, and it's autographed in a glass case. And then uh, back over here is our spawn section. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> Every one of these shops had yeah, like entire memorabilia thing just dedicated to this one movie that was a flop. And I never understood it, and I still don't yeah. understand it. So it's just crazy. had to get that. It's crazy. So anyway, I think if you do like the the algorithm on that, like somewhere someone's got a spreadsheet or something that's just like printing out who what's the movie we need to remake and it's like original was very bad, but there is still a group of people that really cares about it. Uh we're hitting some other demographics, blah blah blah. All these things and like prints out every day and it's just, it's like the ticker, you know, like the old-timey the the stock exchange ticker that prints out yeah like do a spawn it needs movie. to be Jamie so, Fox and it yeah. needs to be Spawn <laughs> exactly. and it needs to be yeah. Blumhouse you know yeah. and like hopefully those John Leguizamo yeah uh, but it's it's I think that there's if you do this right if you do it on a budget that is not and that's kind of what Blumhouse does it, it they're very good at doing doing movies on a reasonable budget and exceeding the uh, the expectation of what that budget should bring so. I mean, Jamie Foxx gets a lot of money, so we'll see what that does to the, the overall budget. But if you do this movie on a decent on a decent budget, I think you've got a pretty good chance of us looking back in a couple years, even if we don't necessarily like it, and saying, oh, that was a big hit for them because here are all the factors that, that played into that. I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad concept, I guess. Sure. I, if it has no, a fan I, no, base, I am it's not, not lining up concept, to. I yeah, I, I'm not lining up to see it, but yeah. I don't think it's a terrible idea at all. To me, it's kind of this is a bad comparison, but it's a, a little bit like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where it's like, yeah, there's an audience for it. Yeah, they've tried it. It might work on some level to some people, but can you just service that audience somewhere else? Like with animation, that's what I don't understand. Like, why does this have to be a a big deal. I guess it's just they're they're out of ideas, and it's Hollywood being Hollywood. But that's it. That's a uh, a little bit of breaking news there for you mm-hmm. right here on the show. If you're just waking up and, and didn't see that note come across, um, so this other note. Speaking of going back to the well, a little bit exciting. There's news in Men in Blackland, Brian. Do you want to? Oh yeah. Talk about this a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I, I like this. What I is like the latest on this? So the Men in Black reboot, I think, is what they're sort of terming it as. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Richard. Maybe I feel we may have talked about this when it was in the the very early stages. So they've got Hemsworth, yay, the the good Hemsworth. They've got Chris Hemsworth, a team uh, Hemsworth. Yeah. Liam's fine, great yeah, chase to ladies. Right. We're all Miley fans, but sure. definitely a B team. So they've got uh, they've got Chris Hemsworth. They've got Tessa Thompson, and mm. who I love. That's great too. And now we're adding, now we're adding, adding Liam Neeson to the fold. So oh. that's your, I that's your uh, your trifecta to move into the new Men in Black. Uh, I'd like to improv spin-off. some scenes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I Chris Hemsworth is fine, <laughs> but how dare you? How dare you? Like literally oh, no. and figuratively fine. Kent. He's he's, he's uh, I just can't get the picture of. 
Channing Tatum in Men in Black out of my head, and I want that so bad. <laughs> I just want his personality in that universe so bad. And like, I think he could do yeah that. the twenty three Jump Street crossover yeah. thing they're well, gonna do. Yeah, like that. Like, I don't even care if Jonah Hill, but just Channing Tatum could do that Will Smith like kind of cop slash funny guy stuff really well. I think. And they could just mm-hmm. do that same plot line pretty much where they're recruiting him into the Men in Black. I think he could pull that off great. I'm not sold on Hemsworth in this. Um, Tessa Thompson, super excited about that. And Liam Neeson, who knows? Let's <laughs> go. If he's all in on this, I'm, I'm all for it. But if he's just showing up and doing it, um, I don't know. I think he has Tom- to be kind of all in and, and – uh, I mean, it could be easy for, his, my for him to, to just mumble his way through that movie, I feel like. But what? Where's Comedy your... Liam Neeson is my favorite. Yeah, Liam that's what I mean. Like, if, he, if he's a, like he was with Gervais and all that, and he's totally self-aware and doing all this stuff, I think it could be really funny. Um, but that's an exciting trio right there. Uh, mm-hmm. It could be worse, for sure. <laughs> they're going to reboot that. But yeah, yeah, I think that, that 22 Jump Street crossover would have been cool. Had it not leaked, I think they would have done that. Yeah, yeah, dude, if that, had, awesome. that would have been one of the best. I'm so pissed at North Korea for that still. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> those of you who don't know that, that, that was in the Sony leak that North Korea did it, and, like, no one knew until that. And it was just going to be, like, 23 Jump Street, and then halfway through the movie, they joined the Men in Black. And that would have been one of the best hard right Twists. turns ever yeah. if, like, it somehow didn't get leaked, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been really Because they cool. kept the depth thing pretty qu- quiet. In the first one, you know, maybe if it was just a scene, they could probably keep that quiet as well. And it's a shame. It's a shame. That would have been a really cool reveal and it would have been a very organic way to move that franchise forward without doing 28 Jump Street and all that and uh, kind of take it a different direction. Remember that post credit scene in the second one? Gosh, that was so funny. Or a guest credit scene or whatever. Or they did 25 sequels or whatever it was. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Um, That. Yeah, so bring back that franchise as well. By the way, I'm here for. And then there was just Seth. Remember, it was just Seth Rogen in one, and then it went back to Jonah Hill. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Remember when Jonah Hill was funny? I I don't know what where where he's been. He's doing that Uh, War Dogs, bro. Come on, he's got a really three years ago show with uh, with Emma Stone, right? Yeah, and Carrie Fukunaga or whatever. Carrie Carrie Fukunaga that did uh, that did. True detective. Oh true yeah, true detective. My brain is on fire <laughs> tonight. Um, so that could be awesome. I'm pumped for that. That's true. And the, re- and the reunion of two super bad characters. So just need Michael Sarah. And he weighs Bye. 125 pounds again. So I don't know. God, that guy, he goes away and he comes back and goes away and comes back like in more ways than one, a lot. Uh, I like Jonah Hill, though. I wish he did more. I wish he was more around. Well, um, one more note I want to hit that'll lead us into Star Wars talk tonight uh, relates to Star Wars. And this is an announcement made by Disney slash Lucasfilm uh, three days prior to Solo premiering. Uh, I guess wide release that had already premiered, but you know what I mean. Um, Next standalone Star Wars movie will be drum roll, please. Thank you. It will be Fett, a bounty hunter story. Mm. Or mm. Boba, a Fett tale. Or something, I don't know. <laughs> I like know. that one. Yeah, I like um, that one. A Fett tale. 
A Tale of Two Fets. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Boba Fett story with James Mangold at the helm. Yeah, that's of Logan the fame. Part of that yeah, I think Logan slash the Wolverine fame. Um, yeah. so that got the fanboys a little pumped. Um, I'm willing to guess that Disney would probably have waited until three days after Solo premiered before making that announcement. I don't, I don't know how much more stoked the fans are now after mm. the way this uh, movie was received over the weekend, uh, Solo. So, um, are you guys excited for that? I, I thought it was kind of an eye roll as well when they announced it, just like Solo was, and the fact that it was one of the most obvious things that they could do. Um, you know, I guess the most obvious thing next would be Obi-Wan. But um, yeah. I think you could go in a really... to a, if, if Lucasfilm lets them go to a dark place with this, I think it'd be really... Could be really cool if they do take a Logan tone with it, and it's just like almost film noir in a way, and about Boba Fett in a really stylized version of his life, or like kind of like dread or something like that. You know, like a really gritty. I don't know. I don't know what my vision is for it, but I think James Mangold can nail what I have in my head. Um, but mm-hmm. what did you, what was your reaction, Brian, being the Star Wars geek? E- yeah, um, uh, the the idea of a Boba Fett standalone origin or whatever isn't super high on my list of Star Wars movies that that I need made. Um, I know he's like very very popular and it's great. Like he's a cool character. I just don't think that there's I I don't know. I don't feel, I don't have a hole in my heart of like man. I just wish I knew more about Boba Fett. Um, but I, you know, I know that there are people who do. So it is what it is. The thing that was exciting to me, because you're right, it is very. That's a very easy decision to make. It's it's. If you would have asked like ten years ago, if you would have said, "Hey, uh, Disney's going to get the rights to all the Star Wars films, and their first three standalone origin story slash character movies are going to be what? What do you think, Brian?" And I would say, Han Solo, Boba Fett, Obi Wan Kenobi. That's very easy. So like, it definitely falls into the same pattern and maybe after the reception of solo that i don't know maybe some of that changes but the thing that gets me interested is mangold because i think that's uh that's a director and a writer even even in a pg-13 setting i think he can do some fun things some interesting stuff to make that uh that background on the character and as well as kind of the visual style of the movie look cool and be different and maybe differentiate from uh some of the the classic Make it look a little different from classic uh, trilogy Star Wars film. So I, I I don't know if you would have told me, hey, we're making a Boba Fett movie. I'm like, okay, it's fine. I expected it. It is what it is. But the the Mangold announcement is what really got me uh, got me jazzed. Oh, they're jazzed, right, guys? Yeah. Hey. Totally. What about you, Richard? Uh, you know, man, I uh, I don't I, to me. I'm not a, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm kind of, da- I'm bearish and down on anything lore. I think that's a, my new thing. Okay. I don't like the woods and I don't care for lore. And so, um, anti-lore is a, is a stance I like to take. And so, uh, I don't know anything about Boba Fett. I, so in my brain, he's only cool cause he has a cool helmet, mm-hmm. uh, which is also true. Uh, Barry Sanders, um, and, and a few other players too. Cool helmet, um, but uh, and Barry Sanders was also great. Eddie so, Eagle like, Belfour, great so helmet. I, great helmet. <laughs> yeah, 
but I I think all of those equate. So uh, I don't have any sort of like attachment to the character other than that he's cool. And so I'm sure if I were someone who enjoyed lore, I would be more excited. But the, really the only interesting thing to me is Mangold. And then whenever we get a cast uh, announcement, I'll, I'll peek in a little more. But, you know, so far the Star Wars thing has been, uh, has been, you know, not to spoil a review later, but, but fine, you know. So I, I, I'm sure it'll be a, a good movie uh, in a lot of levels. So I'm not like down on it. Uh, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, all my mental energy right now is on the fountainhead with Zack Snyder. Like I can't <laughs> really waste any other time thinking about anything else. Oh, oh gosh. What, what am I, am I out of the loop on that? What happened there? Oh, dude. Oh, Zack Snyder is making his next oh, film is announced. Gosh. The Ayn Rand masterpiece and Paul Ryan's favorite book, the fountainhead. <laughs> So CrossFit, our favorite CrossFitter congressman and speaker, is his favorite book is being made by our favorite CrossFit and filmmaker, Ayn Rand's The Fountainhead. You in? Can't wait. Sure. Wait. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's the most. Silver lining that he can't be ruining Batman anymore. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. If anyone's going to handle philosophical nuance, it's going to be Zack Snyder. And I think we all right. know that. Yeah. Uh, obviously. Yeah. I think Anne Rand's going to write the screenplay. Well, she's been dead for like I know. 30 years. Kidding. But, um, <laughs> but maybe, you know, there's technology now. You can maybe build some AI. I mean, super jacked AI, obviously. Surprising because yeah, it's not even worth it if it's not super jacked. The two photoshops uh, I want, I want two things out of you, Kent, because I don't know how to do anything. I told you one. <laughs> I want that gaudy poster that says he knows who's the boss with John Travolta. I want that replaced with Tony Danza immediately and quit your job and just focus on that for me. And the other thing I want is a super jacked Ayn Rand. (laughs) If you can give me those two things, you don't have to give me that McCarthy for Christmas. Atlas Shrugged did really well, didn't it? All all six parts of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, did. The whole trilogy. I have it on 4K. That's the first 4K purchase was the Atlas Shrug trilogy. <laughs> you can only see it in 4K, really. You can only experience it, should I say, in 4K. And there's um, a lot of, of depth. And I mean, Ayn Rand, whether you agree with her or not, is someone of, of a really important 20th century writer. I just, I, I just think, I just think, you know, Zach couldn't even handle the like the the nuance of Watchmen. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know, War and Peace directed by the Fairley brothers. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a very odd pair. Yes, but we'll have to see. Super stoked. So I um, can't, anyway, all that to be said, I can't focus on Boba Fett right now. Yeah, well, it's funny you said that because that was why they put him in the movie in the first place because he had a cool helmet. Like he was actually a comic book character from the spinoff comic of the original star wars and then they like put him in the empire strikes back because people saw the comic were like that guy got a cool helmet and they made him into you know this fan favorite character he's never really done anything um front runners to play boba fett right who's it gonna be andy circus <laughs> carl urban <laughs> yeah. like i said go guys route, with strong yeah. jaws or, mm-hmm. or strong john uh, ham give me some john yeah. ham Ooh, that'd be cool that'd be really good um but yeah, I mean, they kind of tried to do it already with the prequels, Kanye. with the Boba Fett origin. They did mm-hmm. Boba Fett and Jango Fett and his childhood, and I'm assuming this is going to start, I don't know, after A New Hope, before Empire, maybe right after 
Jedi and he like busts out of the Sarlacc. I heard an idea online of basically it being like somebody discovers his armor or whatever and then takes mm-hmm. on the persona of Boba Fett like That'd be cool. from then on. Like you know, doing it in a different way rather than just Oh, this happens between these two movies, rather than, like they've done now. So I think they, I think they could do it in a, in a cool way. I give, I have faith in Mangold, but I'm tired of going back to the well in a way. I, I think there are things in the expanded universe and such that you can do that aren't so fan servicey, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That can make a good movie. Yeah, it's no, just, I agree. it's just such a hard sell. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of hard sells, let's uh, dive right in, guys. And discuss Solo, a Star Wars tale story. Um, let me just start off by saying this. Um, this movie should not exist, I guess. The only reason that this movie exists is because Disney now has the rights to Lucasfilm. <laughs> I mean, if Lucasfilm had kept the rights and said, okay, we're making more Star Wars movies, I don't think they make this movie. Uh, I think they just keep doing... The episode 8, episode 9, episode 10, and so on until the end of time. Um, Disney has the rights to these, of course. They have the money to do whatever they want. Um, This one is more paint-by-numbers, probably, than any movie that Star Wars has ever done. Uh, This movie probably has the least amount of intrigue from a fan's perspective, like I said, because you know where the character ends up, you know the girl he ends up with, you know the kid he ends up having, you know what happens to his, what happens to him. There's very little left in the Han Solo story for us to care about, um, rather than just what we imagine certain aspects of his life being like, uh, certain events, what the details of those events were, and uh, so on. So for me, this is a hard sell, um, extremely hard sell. Uh, depressed going into the movie, um, and this no reason that this movie should exist. But um, having said that, I really liked this movie and enjoyed a lot of it. And I'm excited to talk about it with you guys because, um, I mean, aside from the fact that, uh, like I said, this is a Han Solo movie, I think that's works to his, its detriment a lot, you know? Like, there are so many times where, like, man, this is this would have been a great moment in Rogue One, or this would have been a great moment in, in The Last Jedi. Um, but it was used on Solo, which is to its detriment a little bit, but I will say, I had more fun watching this movie than Rogue One and than The Last Jedi, to be honest. There was so much more in The Last Jedi that made me just like, oh, you know, or cringe, or just say, uh, just betrayed what I loved about Star Wars. This, more than anything, renewed what I loved about Star Wars, which is great ensemble casts. You know, it's a lead out. I mean, a leading man that stands out and, uh, you know, memorable action sequences. I really enjoyed this for the most part. It's got some ancillary characters that you can just axe and that have nothing to do with anything and that are annoying, if anything else. Um, it's got pacing issues, but that, if anything, is a, you know, a culmination of all the reshoots and just the entire just cluster that this production was. I mean, at the end of this movie, I was surprised that it came together as well as it did. I thought Ron Howard did a great job managing the circumstances and making this just not over the top fan servicey. That's what I thought this would be is just like one line after the other, just reminding us about the old movies. Um, Mm -hmm. It straddled the line perfectly. I felt between 
uh, Han Solo that we know and making it something new while also letting Alden make it his own character. I thought he nailed the nuance. Um, there were times when I was, when I felt like I was watching Han Solo, like, like, uh, you know, the Harrison Ford character, it really did feel like a young version of that in, in some of the, uh, scenes. I thought he did phenomenal. And, um, you know, all things being considered, I thought this was a, a very successful film. Um, I think the box office is another story. There are a lot of circumstances there, but um, I don't think this is a bad movie. So I'm excited to talk about it with you. If you if you do, I totally understand because this movie should not exist and it's it's totally pointless. But I'd be lying if I was to say I did not enjoy m- myself um, for. 90% of this, I will say, I enjoyed. Um, but Brian and Richard want to jump in. Richard, you're the most recent. Yeah, I just saw it. So yeah. I, I'll go because Brian's going to have the most interesting thoughts because he's a, a Star Wars bro. You and Brian, no one cares what I have to say. Um, so here's kind of my weird circular trajectory. I didn't care about this movie because I thought, like you, this didn't need to happen. Um, and then Lord and Miller were announced. And I slightly cared more. And then uh, Donald Glover was announced, and I then I cared. And then Ron Howard was announced, and I slightly cared less. And then I saw it, <laughs> and I don't care at all. You know what I mean? Like it was just like this weird circular thing. It wasn't bad. Like it wasn't like a atrocious draft day cluster, or like even like a Jurassic World level. Like oh gosh, what is this piece together garbage? It wasn't. It's just kind of like meh to me. I mean, it's like, to me, it was like Star Wars shouldn't feel, the term we always use, Star Wars shouldn't feel like a, a TNT Saturday afternoon movie. And it, this kind of did in a way. It was fine. I, it, I'll watch it and maybe I'll get more out of it. And there's some really f- cool parts to it. But on the whole, it was just like, ah, all right, let's all that. And that, I should not feel that way walking out of a Star, a Star Wars movie, even a non saga movie uh like this so mm-hmm. uh there was parts that were super cool obviously everyone's in on glover as lando and we all want more of that uh lots of chewbacca which is cool i i think i'm not a game of thrones person but i like amelia clark and i like the way that kind of and we'll get into that later kind of the way that wasn't by the numbers uh though a lot of the movie was and then there's some other cool reveals there and uh i don't ever remember his name but twer that it were uh, as Han Solo was, uh, that's what I call him. Uh, was Twer that away? Twer yeah. that away? Uh, was <laughs> was perfectly adequate. So it's not. I'm not like blaming him. It was just like every. It's just like all right, mm-hmm. moving on. And that's how I felt uh, with it. So it's my least favorite. It's my least favorite kind of movie to review because I. It's hard to be critical of it, but I. It didn't. I didn't walk out of the movie excited in any way so brian you love han solo more than your wife and you love <laughs> chewy more than your child right so right. Uh, i told it, him that when he was born well it's you like, don't have to you're, you're cool but says it right um so uh, <laughs> get a load everyone, of this kid yeah. <laughs> everyone's dying to know your, your thoughts <laughs> yeah like i uh i was more is it I can't ever keep bullish and bearish straight. I'm embarrassed by that. I can't. Bullish is bullish is good. You're high on it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Just think of it this way: the stock market. You know, this is how I remember actually. The stock market. If you go to Wall Street, New York, it's a street in New York, and New York is a city in the United States. Mm, Um, Okay. There you go. Explain. They have a statue of a bull. Think of a big statue of a bull with horns Mm -hmm. because they want a bullish market. That's how I remember. Right. 
Gotcha. Okay. So just think Thanks. of a if you burn a cool Brahma bull statue, you'll be fine. <laughs> that helps. Yeah. Unfortunately, you mentioned the the stock market, and I'm <laughs> so now I don't understand anything. No, I got you. I was more bullish on this movie going in than you guys were. Uh, I see the point of it to some extent, if if only because the point may s- simply be that Disney's going to make a Star Wars movie every year and we have to have stuff that fleshes that out if you're going to if you're going to if you're going to uh say hey we're going to step into this market you got to have stuff that fills out the marketplace. I I I agree with the overarching point and I've said before I want eventually what I want for the non trilogy or the non core films is for them is for Disney, Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy, etc to take more chances on different directors, different voices, different uh, ideas and maybe even different ratings, God forbid, things like that. Um, that's what I want. I do think, and I've said this before. And, and, NC-17. And, yeah, want, totally. That's, you want yeah, Verhoeven's exclu- take on... Exclusively a, a Wookiee-oriented movie. Uh, <laughs> What's that little creature that laughs at all of uh, Jabba the Salaci- Hutt's jokes? Salacious Crumb. Salacious yeah. Crumb. Yeah, you want yeah. Verhoeven's take on Salacious right. Crumb. I can't wait. You've been, and you, <laughs> if you want to read Brian's blog, he's got the whole yeah. thing written yeah. out, so it's right. great. You do have to say whether you're over 18 or not before you can go to <laughs> Put in blog. three passwords. Right, yeah, it's a weird thing. No, look, I, I've said before and have been... I don't know, perhaps criticized for it, but like I, the, um, I lost my train of thought. The, the idea of Han Solo, uh, origin story or whatever, I get why it doesn't impress people or, or get people excited. And clearly the box office is making that case. So, uh, I understand even more fully than maybe perhaps I did before. I also get why Disney has started the way that they've done with these things. I feel like, there was a directive of like, look, the idea is that we make one of these movies every year, that we're making a trilogy or a core movie every other year. We have to have stuff that fills those other years. We want those things to be good because that's what Disney does because you want these movies. They want these movies to be good, not just for box office, but for, you know, they believe it or not, Disney wants to make good movies. I know that's a weird thing. People don't want to recognize that at times, but that's that's it's better for them to make a good movie than a bad movie. All that to say, I think that there's some method to the idea of our first few out the box are going to be pretty generic. And then hopefully my hope is that you kind of, you find your footing, you test the market, you see what this looks like uh, on it. Cause this is a completely different thing than Marvel than anything else that has been done before. I, I just think you want to figure out what, what you're doing before you start taking chances and start doing these movies that, uh, you know, before you start giving Darren Aronofsky a, I don't know, a, a, a Kira movie or something like it's, it's, you've got to find what you're trying to do. So my, that's been my point. The whole, this whole go round of the solo, the Kenobis, the Boba Fett's, whatever is that this is the, this is what we're in for, for the next couple of years. And I'm hoping that that I'm enjoying these movies. I like having a star Wars movie every year. I'm an easy mark for it, and I expect to continue to be an easy mark for it for the rest of time. Um, but I'm hopeful that that eventually leads to taking some more chances and doing some different stuff with it. All that to say, this movie, um, as I've rambled on forever, I, I, I kind of love this movie. I thought it was so much fun. And it, there's, um, for, especially considering all the stuff that we knew of what had happened behind the scenes and the shift in director and blah, 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 blah. You, it's, um, there's no comparison at all whatsoever to this and Justice League, but I did 
continue my mind continually like um subliminally almost like kept throwing back in there of like hey remember how terrible justice league was and how weirdly stitched together it all was and how what a give up that movie was and then you know that there's some very similar circumstances to between these two movies and this movie is coherent and it's fun and it's um kind of bambastic and 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 a little out there There thank you you. can't say words anymore i'm tired guys uh (laughs) but regardless it's uh i had a blast i i thought it was a lot of fun this is I don't think it's as good as Last Jedi, and I was a Last Jedi supporter. I'm on that side of the 50-50, which is a weird thing to say about Star Wars. I, I hate that Star Wars is a 50-50 thing, but regardless, I really like, I like Last Jedi. I think it's a very good movie. Uh, I think that it is better than Solo, but I am going to rewatch Solo a lot more than I'm going to rewatch Last Jedi. And I think that, for me, I think Solo is better than Rogue One. It was certainly more enjoyable than rogue one for me overall. Um, and, uh, look, I had, I had a blast with it. I thought the casting was really good. I thought Alden would the tourist, a simple guy. I thought he did a really good job of kind of, um, displaying the essence, embodying the essence of Han Solo. It's like, it's to me, it was kind of like some SNL impressions are like just spot on incredible. Like, wow, that guy is George W. Bush or whoever, you know, it's like, oh man, that is an incredible impression. And then sometimes you have the impression that's much more about this kind of the spirit of the, uh, of the person that you're impersonating. Um, and that to me was what he, he did here. Like he doesn't really look like Harrison Ford. He doesn't have the same, uh, gravitas that Harrison Ford has, but he did. I thought he kind of could probably combined with, with Ron Howard and, and, uh, Lord Miller, I think they really found the uh, the spirit of the character, and it it just it, it came across to me. So anyway, I had fun with it. It was a, it was a uh, a highly enjoyable film for me, one that I expect to watch a lot of times. And uh, I there are definite flaws, and there's stuff that keeps it from being a, a great movie. And if you think that it keeps it from being a good movie, then that's fine as well. But um, I it's it was undeniably a, a ton of fun, and and. Maybe that's the uh, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe on some level like that's the main goal of uh, every other Star Wars movie is just let's have a lot of fun with it and also make money. So maybe they're one for two. I don't know. Yeah, should we talk about the reception before we talk about the movie specifically a little bit more? Just in case there are sure. people listening that haven't seen it or don't want to be spoiled too much. Um, I really think this movie makes thirty plus more million dollars and it goes 10 points up on Rotten Tomatoes if this comes out in December. I really do. I just think yeah. people are, mm-hmm. I mean, last Jedi was just beaten over the head with the whole yeah, DVD totally marketing agree. campaign and Avengers and Avengers Deadpool. and Deadpool yeah, and absolutely everything, just a quiet place and everything that's come out this year in terms of these event movies. And we're just like, can't we just chill for a second? And um, I think yeah. this is the first time that people, have turned their back at Star Wars and said, "Hey, not right now. Okay, maybe later." You know, and uh, you sure. know, maybe this movie does really well this weekend. Maybe it does better in home viewing than they expect. Uh, I just don't. I just think the timing was couldn't have been worse for them to release this. The only thing working their favor was Donald Glover's career and how it's going, and even that didn't save this movie. Um, so, I, I really do think it's a, the reception and the quote unquote box office bomb. I mean this thing made a hundred over a hundred million dollars over Memorial Day 
weekend, including. Mm-hmm. So um, didn't do well overseas, but um, don't know if Alden Aaron Rick is drawing the, the masses overseas yet. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think it, it's Ghost a culmination theory, of guys, a lot. That we we talked about. Sorry, Kent. The World War Z theory, man. Movie stars matter overseas. Oh, they yeah. don't matter as much here, but yeah. that could be a lot. And that's of why it, I saw. Um, yeah, it could. I saw uh, notes that it was gonna be Christian Bale instead of Woody Harrelson for that role, mm. uh, Beckett. And I was like, maybe that would have drawn more people. I hate to say that it would have been a better yeah. choice, but I mean, yeah, uh, there was no names attached to this other than. Uh, Khaleesi from pre- Game of Thrones and Donald yeah. Glover, Childish Gambino. This is stupid. I mean, Let's it. just pretend – that's actually not true because he was good last year in that one movie. But let's just say this was Robert Pattinson, right? Mm-hmm. Like let's just say he looked the part or whatever. Like this mm-hmm. probably does bigger money because it's like he's an established star overseas. And, you know, and I just don't know if Tour That It Were is. Yeah. Uh, yeah Here's a question for you. If they spun off and did Solo, they did a Solo movie – and they just brought back Harrison Ford, and they did another him and Chewie, but he's still old Harrison Ford. Does it make more money than this opening weekend? For sure. I don't know if it makes more here. I think it yeah. probably does around the same within 5%, but overseas mm-hmm. it probably doubles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weird. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That is something that... Johnny that, Depp, that, it makes $30 billion. Oh, my gosh, yeah. A lot of people real. can't and, get... And I'm just pulling my hair out, but yes, yeah. it totally would. A lot of people can't get behind casting a younger actor to portray an iconic character. While they're still at the same time clamoring for Ewan McGregor to come back as Obi Wan, you know, I don't. That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> that whole thing. Well, uh, I, I'm totally fine with casting younger people, uh, but yeah, I think a lot of people weren't had, had already written off Alden Aaron Rick as Han Solo, and that's why they were went into this movie like I need to be blown away, or I'm not going to be, I'm not going to enjoy myself, you know. And I thought he did. A, I thought he did a really good job. Not a great, fantastic. Uh, we need to book this guy in every movie, but I thought he w- he did a really really solid job. And uh, I mean, imagine the pressure of portraying that character, and it's a pretty nuanced character too. I mean, Harrison Ford's pretty much playing himself. Let's be honest, you know, and mm-hmm. he's playing Indiana Jones without the hat, right? Uh, and how do you do that? Uh, I think he did a great job, and um, couldn't couldn't have. Um, been a better casting choice in my opinion considering they were considering dave franco miles teller um ansel elgort yeah ansel elgort from baby driver uh jack rayner from the transformers movies scott eastwood could have been an interesting uh choice had they gone he's a little too handsome though hate to say that uh but i thought alden did a did a really really solid job i did too um but yeah what any other comments on the reception or just the weekend in general I think you're spot on. I think if it came out in December, uh, it gets a lot better, or maybe even just like July. It's just I think of, we heard from a lot of listeners who said one of two things: either one was I just I've seen Avengers, I've seen Deadpool, like this is just, and I know I'm I getting ready for Jurassic Park and stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally, and and certainly certainly Infinity War. You know, like maybe if maybe if the Marvel movie was. Doctor Strange 2 or something, but like Avengers. It's right. Everyone's going to see it. And quite huge. frankly, you know, if you're taking a, if you're uh, taking a date or a person, you're asking for 60 bucks out of people in a month, maybe even sure. more if they saw Deadpool. Yeah. You know, that's a large ask. That's, you know, 10 Netflix subscriptions or something like that's not uh, yeah. for a no, lot of people, huge. you know, that's a lot. 
It's it's a crazy thing. So I think there, I think that's a factor. We also heard from a lot of people who just said, um, just straight up, like, oh, I just wasn't excited about this. I may go see it at some point or watch it on DVD. Yeah, a lot of people I've heard have said, I'll see it, but I'll see it eventually. I'm not going to go out first week, yeah, first sure. day, like you go see The Force Awakens or something. Yeah, I understand that. And I think too. that I think there's part of it that's maybe disappointment with the uh, last Jedi. If you were on that side of the fence or maybe even rogue one. And I think part, I think a lot of it is we've, we, we talk about this with the rotten tomatoes thing. I know like it's a big deal for some certain directors like to blame rotten tomatoes when their film doesn't do and Sean particularly well. Right. And Sean Finnessy as well. Um, I just, I consider him a filmmaker just in my head. I think of him as one of the great filmmakers as well as one of the great writers, but so does he. the, um, but there's i think there's there's something to the the idea that we i don't know we just constantly have this thing in our hands that tells us all the things in the world that are happening and if you want to if you wanted to sit back and watch uh how this unfolded behind the scenes and and fret over it or read every terrible think piece over like what this is going to be and and the i don't know the the clickbait nerdy websites and stuff that that point directly to that it just i don't know it sort of preps you for there's no way this can be good um because of all the stuff that's happening behind the scenes when in fact i think they we've, we've all said like they did a really good job of kind of navigating those things obviously that's not the way you want to make a movie but it came out much better than it than it could have given those circumstances i think that my point is, I think that keeps that kept some people away as well. And the other thing is too, like the this is more of a a, a Disney a Disney slash Lucasfilm thing they've got to figure out is uh, you can't count the Chinese market does not care about these movies at all, like not comparatively to other big time Hollywood movies, and so that has to factor into budgets moving forward but budgets and advertising and the way that we it just it, they don't that market for whatever reason doesn't care about star wars so that's fine like it doesn't matter but that's that's something that i think in the back of uh back of it, still even to me like in the back of my mind i'm like oh this will make a lot of money in yeah. china it that's why they cast donnie yen in uh, rogue one yeah like, literally and, the and biggest just, chinese star <laughs> you can't bank on that anymore yeah. at all for for this franchise you may be able to with avengers and other things but this one is not it, it doesn't reach that market so it's like you almost need to okay we're going to set the budget now scale it back by 20 percent, just because yeah. that market exclusively is not going to be interested yeah um they're going to have to reevaluate what, uh, how they go about these standalones. And, you know, it mm-hmm. might take, sure. like you were saying, Brian, it's going to take three, four, five movies for them to, to find a middle ground here. I think, I think their soft spot is they need to spend 75 to 125 million on these movies and not spend 250 million and tell smaller stories. I can't believe this movie costs 250 million. Um, I mean, with the reshoots yeah. and everything, it probably it's is why. Be reshoots. But yeah, I mean, it's got to be a big part of it. It was so scaled down in terms of the galactic wars and everything like that. I mm-hmm. mean, com- comparatively mm-hmm. to even Rogue One. Um, but I think they're going to have to find a middle ground on the budget, uh, on the stories, test the waters a little bit with the fans, figure out when you can do these. Maybe you don't do these every other year. You know, maybe you don't do a Star Wars movie every year. Maybe you do sure. a. a uh, a legacy episode movie every other year. And then every other, other year you do a standalone so that you take a year off essentially every two years. That makes sense. 
So mm. yeah, I would I would be in on that. But um, you know what? I'm more excited, honestly, for the Star Wars live action TV show than I am about any future standalone movie that they're going to do. Uh, I, I know they're going to do that, but if they came out after this weekend and said, uh, it's been good. I hope you liked the uh, standalone movies. Now we're just going to do the uh, episodes. We're going to wrap it up with JJ. We're going to let Ryan Johnson do his thing. And then we're going to focus our efforts on this TV show and really, you know, hammer home all these. Stuff. I think the fans will be like, good, all in, let's do it. So we've got game sure. of Thrones for star Wars and we've got a movie every two years. That's I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Uh, there are a lot of star Wars fans out there. I know of that, don't want any other movies. I personally am, am in that camp. If they said tomorrow we're done making Star Wars movies, I think I'd be fine. I think I'd just watch the trilogy and, and enjoy those times. But uh, it's a business. Uh, there are kids that really enjoy them too. Um, mm-hmm. It's just an interesting strategy that they've taken with these standalones and not weaving the characters from you know the uh, seven, eights, nines into these at all. They've been very conscious not to do that or overlap any of those storylines which is a bit confusing considering they're trying to push that new series, you know, more than the original trilogy at this point. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a really interesting past few years and months, uh, at the development of these standalones. It's been more fun for me to follow than the, than the others. And, um, you know, I, I still think that there, the possibilities are endless with these, but they're going to have to find a middle ground with the, both the fans and with the money to where that these are worth the investment and a hundred million dollar weekend isn't considered a monumental flop. <laughs> if this was any other movie, any other franchise, mm-hmm. it was the number one movie yeah. in America. I don't know why people are saying yeah. it was a, fl- I, it was, it was by far and away the biggest movie last oh, yeah, weekend. I don't, it was a weird was narrative. A, I, I dude, don't know. I don't, they, they, it was strange. Yeah. T- I do not want to hear any more. It made less than episode two and three. Okay. Well, first of all, Episode two came out and everyone went and saw that because they were saying, please, God, let it be better than episode one. And <laughs> episode three came out saying, OK, this is the last one. This could be yeah. the best one. There were and there was going to be Darth excitement. Vader this time. Yeah, there was right. excitement right. there for this one. There was no reason for anyone to go out and see this other than like, yeah, Han Solo is one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. And you have to already like Star Wars to like that. So, I mean, yeah. they knew it's that they strange. were pigeoning, pigeoning pigeonholing themselves into a small target of the audience. But I just yeah. hated the narrative that came out of the weekend that star too. Wars is, is that this was a failure. I don't think this is a failure given every circumstance going into it. And th- <laughs> yeah. let's, let's not forget, this is a really fun movie. This could have yeah. made $30 million and I would have been saying the same well, stuff I mean, about what kind of a fun movie this was. So, yeah, it was a, that's a, it's been a weird I don't know. It, that was a weird. We literally got a tweet. Yeah, who Somebody had this was in like, the draft. Who had this in the draft? I think I it's Ken. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But it I mean, was not, look, not a good pick. But uh, no, you it, was, it, it was fun. It, it was late. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. You had it, like, where you got it was fine. But yeah, yeah I mean, you're look, fine, it's it's seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not. It's, it's not all eyes on me, bro. You're good. Yeah, it's, <laughs> exactly. It's sixty five percent with fans. It made. I I don't know. I don't feel like I should. I don't feel like I need to go to bat for this. It's not going to make money. Like. It's if this ends at five hundred million dollars, that's probably a wash for Disney because of all the advertising and and whatnot. I don't know, but that does not. We literally got tweets asking if this was the if this would be considered quote the biggest flop of all time, and you're like, no, it's not. May not even be the biggest flop of May. Like I don't. This is 
No, no. don't, don't yeah. ask that question. Don't frame that narrative like that. That's that's terrible. Anyway, should I, we talk about know. the movie? Yeah, know. let's do that. We're almost an hour into this thing. Um, <laughs> man, it's still weird to see no opening crawl at the beginning, but yeah, I thought the way they did it this time around with the long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then just using that same font to kind of preempt the story, I thought that was a natural way to do that. Um, what I felt like was missing from Rogue One was the heart and the fun. This movie had mm-hmm. way more yeah, heart totally. and fun than and that. Charisma. It, mm-hmm. Rogue One, you know, even looking back, uh, it's just so forced in trying to make a connection to the trilogy, original trilogy and her dad. And uh, I mean, it just, Rogue One might be my favorite new Star Wars movie, man. Really? I'm willing to. Oh, oh man. Favorite by far. I'm the only one. I'm the only one of the three of us. I'm just I so Rogue One. I loved it. I, I really loved it liked, the moment. Watched on rewatch. Loved it. Well, it's the best. I really like the um, action sequences in that, but there's just so it's just for me the story is just so cardboard, and the whole the only, him planting Diego Luna the, kills it. But other than him, yeah, the whole him planting the uh, loophole in the system and everything, I, it kills me every time that how how shoehorned in that that whole sequence is with him and the sniping and the rain and everything it just goes nowhere. But, uh, but yeah, uh, this movie really did have a lot more energy. <laughs> I mean, it kind of needed to, but, uh, it, it, there wasn't uh characters in here that made me fall asleep. Like pretty much every character. I mean, uh, what, what was your favorite character besides, uh, Han, uh, what did you think of their interpretation of Chewie? By the way, Yuna Suitomo, this is our first real yeah. introduction to him as Chewie. I know he's been mm-hmm. in the other movies, but hasn't really done anything. And uh, Brian, I know you're a Chewie fan. I felt his like... His mid-range is good. But <laughs> yeah. He can't, his left is a little... And he can't, he can't switch on pick and roll, so he can only right. guard the rim. Right. That hurts him. But he's a beast rolling. Yeah, he's got a he's got a, he's got length though. He's got yeah, length. he's got a lot of length. Shots. Wingspan, yeah, eight two um, wingspan. He's got that Mo Bamba length. <laughs> he's got that Greg Oden length. Wink. To me, to me, the uh, use of Chewie in the first seven and eight of uh, the rebooted Star Wars has been offensive. Like he's just been standing there, and it's like a it's really like why even have him there at that point. Um, oh, I love a lot of it. I love I love him in Force Awakens. I think oh, Force he's Awakens, he's so way good at Force but, Awakens. It's I mean, so you good. think you think he's gonna when he goes off with Ray at the end of that movie, you're like oh gosh, Ray and Chewie's gonna be the next thing, and then he's just like roasting porgs on the new movie. It's like, <laughs> he's just so so much less yeah, of what I want him to be. This was so much more of what I want from Chewie. In, yeah, that was cool. In my Star Wars. It was very good. It was it was fun to see that um, the way that. It, that they became buddies and the, uh, the sort of life debt that Chewie has to, or is indebted to Han with and the way that they interact was a blast. I thought that was, uh, other than just Donald Glover being on screen, which is always the best thing of anything really. Um, I thought that was, for me, that was the best part of the movie. It was just, it was a lot of fun to see that being the big Chewbacca fan that I am to see that come to fruition and just the way that they, I thought the interpretation on that was really well done. It was fun seeing, it was fun seeing Chewbacca get a little character development. Like I said, I think, I think he's used perfectly in force awakens and last Jedi hit or miss, but, uh, but it was fun getting a little more of that. I thought that was great. I thought, um, 
I liked Kira. I loved Beckett. I thought Woody Harrelson did a really good job in that sort of uh, the mentor swashbuckler kind of uh, bit. I thought that was fun. I I thought the cast was great all around. It was really well done. The uh, the L three stuff. I thought I thought if there was one more line of dialogue from the droid, I was going to be like, nope, I'm out. I can't do it anymore. But they they found the the perfect like the Creed Bratton perfect usage for uh for that should have been him though that would have been better a creed droid would be great (laughs) just a real creepy right just up to stuff all the time in the background (laughs) i'm i don't know stealing droid parts and stuff (laughs) i'm not that was the one one of the one characters that i could have done without to me it was like it was, it was like, very hitchhikers. It was like Emma Thompson showed up and was like, "What's going on, guys?" It's like <laughs> Catherine Tate from The Office. Like, sh- like, just get out of here. Like, we don't. I don't know. I, I understand needing to give Lando a backstory and and all of that. It just could have been less annoying, I guess, or less less in your face. I mm. appreciate the message that they're trying to get across. I understand. You? That. Sounds like you're sounds like yeah. you don't. Can't. No, I don't. That's why I didn't like the character. <laughs> Not because her voice was annoying or anything and her delivery was repugnant. Yeah. But uh mm. it was the message. Yeah. Well Angela yeah. Coppola thinks otherwise. No. So. Um I mean <laughs> Dude, she bought you so even by the email yeah. bro. I expect hate mail, so bring it on. Uh, because I'm on the wrong side of the political d- debate apparently on everything. But uh but you know, it just felt like Every Star Wars movie has to have a quippy droid, and when this didn't have that for a lot of it, I was really stoked. And then here comes, oh, what are you guys doing? You know, I was no, just I couldn't. <laughs> I, I don't know. K two S O was the silver lining of that because it was the one soul of that entire film. But uh, <laughs> this didn't need that. I felt like it had enough energy that you didn't need to bring that annoyingness into the picture it was so jar jar to me it felt like that it felt like a betrayal but um but yeah <laughs> i love the design by the way this was the most well-designed star wars movie i can remember i mean i loved almost every aspect of the world they built the planets settings that they used um i thought the uh, i thought the whatever they call whatever they call the cloud um troop or whatever they're called you know what i'm talking about brian the cloud, cloud gang or whatever cloud uh, riders oh yeah, yeah okay i got you Sorry. um atlas i thought, I thought the marauders <laughs> were back yeah the marauders and there. all them i thought they that looked was cool. great i yeah, thought was... the uh little casino place that they go to 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 uh play the card game with lando felt natural you know yeah, yeah. It, unlike in in the last jedi where that whole casino sequence just feels forced mm-hmm. and, and awful um it felt really good i mean i hated how this movie was shot though it was probably my least favorite in terms of the cinematography just so dark so dusty couldn't see what was going on um shot way too much of the movie on handheld i would tell that to ron i mean go back and watch star wars there's like very little if any that's shot on a handheld um, I know it gives you gritty. It makes you feel like you're there, but it doesn't feel like Star Wars. And I think JJ understood that, and I think Ryan Johnson understood that. But I thought it was a product of Gareth, Gareth Edwards' directorial style with all the gray and dust. But apparently, that's a style that they've made for these standalones. And I thought Han needed to be a little bit brighter and a little bit more saturation, a little bit more color than it had in terms of the look of the movie. But um, I thought the, the entire 
production design, costuming, and makeup and all that was was spot on and would not be surprised if we see it up for some uh, awards later in the year in that in terms of that. So I was blown away by the uh by the costumes and helmets and all the creatures and uh and everything that goes along with what makes Star Wars Star Wars, right? Brian, what are your thoughts on the uh the whole world building uh, aspect of this? I enjoyed it. I thought it was well done. Um the the opening sequence uh with with younger 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 Han mm-hmm. on whatever or on, uh, Cordelia or Corelia Corelia um Cordelia is actually my grandma's yeah. name but uh, lovely <laughs> well, woman shout out uh, so, <laughs> I only respect Corndogia yeah. Right. yeah yeah it's quite the planet Corndogia um that sequence had me very nervous right out of the gate I I just thought like you want to talk about L three? I thought the the weird chase sequence. Like, well, uh, the chase sequence was okay, but the whole uh, I think her name was Lady Proxima. That whole I don't know water worm thing. Oh, I was, I, was that to me I that was Jabba the Hutt. That. To me, I was expecting Jabba to be there, and it, when it wasn't Jabba, I was like, okay, cool. I'm there I'm was down, something you know? weird weird about that to me. I was just like, it just had a strange tone to it. I I was nervous. If this is how the tone is going to be for the movie, I'm I'm going to hate this. So that set it's it kind of reset very quickly and it was fine but um i liked the jumping from that straight into the the war sequence i thought that was funny the way that that was done and then we're off with uh with beckett and his his gang of rogues and stuff no i thought i thought the uh, i thought the settings were really well done and it was fun to have it was fun to have different worlds and they didn't all have to look like uh, Tatooine or Hoth or, or anything else. It was uh, in some ways it was more original than some of the other Star Wars movies have been. Just just in the the world building aspects, I felt like the ships were cool. It was fun having uh, different different uh, different even Tie Fighters, different looking Star Destroyers and stuff. I, I thought I, yeah, I'm with you. I thought the design was really good. I tell you what, I didn't notice the uh, the film, but that's not my that's not my specialty that's you that's you can so i I didn't i didn't really realize the i didn't notice the the uh the shaky cam and the handheld and Mm -hmm. and all that stuff i it looked pretty it didn't look too dark to me it looked pretty good maybe it's that's a theater thing regardless i it it did not jump out mine was a little too i'm gonna side with kento on this i was a little i had some dark issues sure yeah Yeah, it might have been the projection but it was just so much gray i just don't i don't know why we have to add CGI dust to everything now. I just don't... I just want to see. I just want to see what's going on. Um, hammering home a plot line that I thought was a little bit of a force in uh, The Last Jedi, which was the fact that now we have f- fuel to worry about, which we've never talked about how these ships get around. We thought it was plasma energy or whatever this whole time, nuclear energy. But uh, the, the, the notion of hyperfuel is a big player in this. Um, movie and uh, using these side movies to enforce ideas that are in the original trilogy and in, in the uh, movies that they're making on the side, um, I, I felt like this was less on that side than I expected it to be. I thought there was going to be an entire explanation of the dice and the the significance of that. Same. And, yeah. and they played that really soft. I thought they, mm-hmm. like I said, the fan service aspect of this could have just been beating you over the head, like Jurassic World or something. And it wasn't mm-hmm. like that. And yeah. the stuff that was like, like no, nods to the original trilogy were so subtle. I mean, there's a moment where 
you know, at the very beginning when they're introducing Han, where he like takes the weapon away from the, uh, the enemy and he says, he like takes the, it's, it reminded me of the moment in Return of the Jedi where he like takes the spear away from the Ewok, right? And points it at him. Mm-hmm. There's small sure. moments like that, that you remember, you know, where he says like, watch this. And then like the ship fails, you know, like yeah. small things like that, that happen in the original trilogy that they put here that don't, that aren't direct callbacks. Like the callback in Force Awakens to the Dejark chess set. Remember, it's just like, okay, now we have seven seconds of the chess set lighting up, just so people can be like, remember that? It wasn't like that at all, and I mm-hmm. really, really, yeah. really appreciated that. I thought it was going to be two hours and 15 minutes of that. It was a little I bit totally of it, agree. But, yeah. uh, but not. Uh, there was it moments was, that I really liked, though, in terms of that. Though. Yeah, I did too. I thought it was all, it felt for the most part, it felt pretty organic and and in keeping with the rest of the film. I mean, that's I love Force Awakens. Force Awakens genuinely might be my favorite Star Wars movie, uh, which has somehow become a hot take over the last Whoa. three years. But that is a hot but take. Um, but if there's a, if if I have an issue with Force Awakens, it's that there's just like a few too many nostalgic reference callback bits, and I think I liked a lot of them. There's a, at some point you're like, okay, that's enough. Let's move on. Um, and that I never, I, I'm totally with you, Kent. I expected that to be the case with this one. That may have been like my biggest fear going in is it's just going to be an entire movie of wink, wink. See what I did there? Little references to the previous films. And instead I, I felt like it was all, there's dozens and dozens and dozens, I'm sure of Easter eggs and references and callbacks and all that stuff, but they're all really well buried within the actual plot of the movie and the characters doing things. And, and it's more of a, uh, things like him saying, I've got a really good feeling about this instead of a bad feeling, um, kind of goes hand in hand with what this whole movie is trying to, to accomplish and stuff. So I, I anyway, that stuff was, I thought was very well done and I'm with you. I did not necessarily, I did not expect that necessarily at all. It's so funny how cocky he is this whole movie too. Like he says, mm-hmm. I got a good feeling about this here. I can do this. And, one of his most memorable lines in Star Wars is "Don't get cocky, kid." Right to Luke when he makes his first kill. Right, uh, right. there. There's a lot of subtle character moments uh, in the movie that I thought uh, did a really good job. So one of the bigger aspects of this film that I feel like not a lot of people are talking about is how absent the Force is from this movie, if mentioned at all. I don't even know if it's mentioned in the movie, um, and. You know, we think of the Force as the entire soul of Star Wars is the notion of the Force and the higher power and the, the, you know, coming to the consciousness of, you know, enlightenment and everything. This is absent Mm -hmm. of that. And I think for the better, this is just a a freaking heist movie, a real heist movie, not like Rogue One, which tried to be. I feel like this had way more right to call itself that. I mean, the people in the heist have actual roles, and they're not just people to add to add people. Like in Rogue One, I just don't understand uh, Cassian Andor's uh, role in that into- whole movie, other than um, Diego Luna. But I, it, it had way less forceness. The only forceness that it had in terms of forcing characters into this was maybe. Um, Tandy Newton's character kind of got had to give Beckett a little bit of a backstory or motivation, I guess. Um, don't know why she really had to sacrifice herself that in the first two minutes of meeting her. 
So that that didn't contribute to the notion of her being unnecessary at all anymore. But uh, I thought that was an unnecessary one. Um, along with, I like the character a lot. John Favreau's Rio, uh, four armed pilot guy. I like the character a lot, but uh, didn't see enough of him to to um, for me to care much. Maybe they could have brought him further along into the movie instead of um, Jar Jar the robot. But um, <laughs> getting another, rave reviews, by the way, Jar Jar Bot. <laughs> Jar Jar Bot is. Yeah, well, the few things I've uh, looked up is like that they finally got a droid right. It's like, well, I feel like they've got it right several <laughs> times before. Yeah. Literally every other time, more than this. <laughs> people, people can't sleep at night because they just can't get droids right, man. Yeah. I know. They just can't like, do it. It's like, finally, everyone. guys. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I just remember this vividly. I was like eight years old and I got this VHS copy of A New Hope. And uh, I put it in. I'd never seen it before. I put it in and I watched it. I watched the whole thing, just glued to my TV. And then my mom came into the room in the living room at the rental house we were living in in Hearst, Texas. She said, what do you think? And I said, it was good. I did not care for that R2-D2 character. <laughs> I think most kids have that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. fi- you know, now they finally got it right. Yeah. Finally. <laughs> um <laughs> There, so the scene with with L three and Lando and Kira and L three is a they just did the scene from The Shape of Water. They're like, so how does that how does that work exactly? You know that <laughs> whole moment, right? It's the exact copy in, in here. Um, let's so see. It probably wins the Oscar. Is that what you're saying? That's yes, what probably. I'd answer. vote. Okay, all right. Um, I think we should go spoilers now. I spoiled yeah. a little bit, but we need to go full spoilers coming up now for solo if you haven't seen it um oh, i'm excited for this we got there's a big one there's a there's a few big ones let's start yeah. with the uh the less big ones we first we haven't mentioned paul bettany's character the mm, vision villain. showed up that was weird the vision <laughs> oh no um, no it was the it was the other ron Wimbledon. howard paul bettany character yeah no it was it was da vinci code <laughs> paul bettany that was oh, right. not a fit yeah you sure it wasn't legion yeah. Thought it was Legion. It's pretty close to Ron Howard before on Da Vinci Code, and then he showed up, and then the. I mean, could have been Priest wa- though. <laughs> In a way, it was. It was more Monk and a lot of self-flagellation. But Donald Glover's reaction was great. I guess mm-hmm. it was kind of worth it. Yeah, it was very sexy. I'll give him that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, nonetheless, they had to have a villain in here of some kind, or at least a. Who we sure. think is the villain? A setup um, villain. Uh-huh. I was waiting for Clint Howard to be the villain the whole time. I was just—that's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I had to get was, Clint. That Howard. was a fun. Yeah, you knew it was coming. It was a fun cameo. I, I enjoyed the yeah. uh, the Warwick Davis cameo too. Yeah, like we have to have him in every movie since he's been in every Star Wars movie ever. So we've got to we've got to slide him in. I thought that was fun. It was Easter fun to see him. Too. Note about Warwick Davis that he says he's playing the same character from. The Phantom Menace, and that he's like okay. an adult version of his character that you see in the pod race okay. on Tatooine. Right. So, sure, that's a little Easter egg for the extreme nerd no. out there. No. No. Same character from <laughs> the pod race sequence. Saboba was wrong. He threw a bolt in his engine. Um. All right. Uh, 
let's see, Crimson Dawn and Kira. Uh, so apparently Solo, Han Solo's, by the way, we nailed the uh, fact that he was going to be named Han Solo because he had no one, right? Didn't we say that in like our preview episode or something like that? I feel like we Sounds did. Sounds familiar, yeah. As a joke, Apparently, and they actually people put it hate in the movie. that. And I yeah. was like, "That's fine. That's like I get it. It's all good. I don't know. I I did not have I any complaint about like, that, but I did see people freaking out about it afterwards. So me too. But I like that. That was fine, or I was fine with that. I didn't like Han Solo Cup for six minutes <laughs> during the movie. Like that didn't. It didn't. Yeah. Didn't really add anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, so, yeah. So, his love for Kira is what uh, his entire motivation, right, for the first pretty much half of the movie is, I got to get back to Karelia and see Kira, my girlfriend. Told her I'd come back, right? And then fast forward 20 minutes later, and there she is. And he's like, Kira, what are you doing here? It was like the least excited he could have been to see her. That that didn't that moment didn't really work for me. And... Uh, they brought her back way too soon, I felt like. You could have brought her back maybe a little bit later, maybe introduce the Voss character, Dryden Voss, and then you know, introduce him. They go back to another planet, do the Kessel Run, whatever, come back, boom, there's Kira, you know, comes out while they're having a conversation or comes out from st- standing behind him or some dramatic reveal kind of a moment, right? Uh, yeah, but you got to kind of get her into the movie a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it just didn't didn't work for me, and 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 all that. And the twist with her was obvious. Um, something about that character. I really liked the character and the story that they wrote for her, but I just didn't like how they used her in this uh, overall. If that makes sense, because you know they're not going to end up together because he ends up with Leia, right? Right. So it's, right. It's very kind of. I liked way. it. I thought it was not cooking. I thought they had chemistry. I thought, I thought they had chemistry. I just didn't yeah. think they used her right in terms of the timing was, of where it was in the movie. The Sith and all that was cool. That was a you know fun little yeah. twisty McTwisterson. Brian, what did you think of it? Uh, I thought it was done well. It was fine. I didn't have a problem with it. It was good. Yeah, good for me. Good for me. And look, if you 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 may be right, Kent, as far as the the reveal on her and everything, but like. If you do that, then uh, you're paying Amelia Clark to be in your movie for about 12 minutes. Right, so. that's what I mean. Like, it's like, well, we got to get Amelia. We paid her 30 million or whatever it is, or we got to have her in there somewhere. I, I, thought, I thought it was pretty well done. I, I could have, in you could have rewritten it maybe to where the reveal on her being, uh, like her just being there at all, didn't come out until after they go into Dryden Voss's chambers or something, but. That's to me, that's kind of a minor quibble, and you you get, I don't know. That's a it's a different kind of shock and reveal, um, the way that it worked out. But I yes, I saw I, I felt like the the play with her at the end um, that was pretty obvious that that was that was headed that direction. But I didn't think that it was I didn't think that it was wrong, and um, I thought it it kind of it, to me that that segment of the movie really lended itself kind of like a casino royale type feeling like that's this is the setup for how did you know that movie the whole premise as much as anything else is to like show you how james bond became um you know this womanizer who doesn't trust anyone and it's because this woman had broke his heart and then you kind of get that uh hansel is not anywhere near that level as far as like his (laughs) his character flaws in that department or anything but like that's his whole bit right he's kind of a he's he is solo he's a he's a he's a lone wolf kind of guy and uh, you have to 
you have to between that and the Beckett stuff, which I thought was also really well done. I think that set the tone very well for like, here's how this kind of uh, this guy's pretty he's pretty optimistic. He's kind of happy go lucky in some ways, in spite of all the terrible things that are happening. How does he become um, a, a fairly ruthless, heartless? I don't care about anything except me and my money type guy. Well. Here's the setup, you know. I thought that was that that worked well. That yeah. sets up well for whatever franchise hopes um, this the Lucasfilm may have for this. Um, another funny moment was the back and forth between Han and Lando on the pronunciation of Han or Han. I like that um, because uh, Lando always pronounced it Han for some reason in the original trilogy. Uh, so. I feel like the the first poker sequence we get, which that was a cool thing to do, to do two poker games, right? Uh, to mm-hmm. kind of come back yeah. to that at the end, I thought was a smart move. Sabak. Sabak. Yeah. Um, that first one was beat for beat. I'm pretty sure it was the exact same scene from Titanic where he wins the ticket. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure if I edit them together, like it's, they copied the exact same timing of where the characters are looking. And like, even the reveal of, Oh, I'm sorry. I got a full house. Right. It's the exact yeah. same. I mean, it's almost, I was like, Chewbacca is in the same exact roll, place as he right, was in Titanic as his, as his friend is, was or whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just felt like that was a bit, um, tonally, consistent with that sequence and Titanic, maybe on purpose because it works well. Uh, the, uh, another aspect is hinted at a little bit here with Han in terms of his backstory and uh, spicing up that story a little bit is he's mentions in passing literally as he's walking and talking to somebody that he wasn't close with his dad. Right. And further leading to his relationship and ultimate fallout with uh, no pun intended with Kylo Ren, his son. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. there's never yeah. really anything mentioned of that in The Force Awakens on the fact that his home life didn't work out, and so that's ultimately probably why his didn't with his son, and I thought that was natural. Another natural fit in terms of bringing the original trilogy into this is the Dejart chess sequence. Like I mentioned, it felt Force in The Force Awakens. It felt natural here. I loved Chewie trying to wipe the pieces off the board, the hologram pieces. <laughs> yeah. That was really smart and fun. Um, I thought Chewie overall, like I said, was used fairly well. Uh, this movie could have and hardly, should have been called. Hardly barbecued any porgs, though. Mm-hmm. That it, was my yeah, biggest A little disappointing. Like, what does he eat? Not, not cannibalistic at all in any sense. Uh, or, <laughs> or, no, killing people in front of their relatives. That's, that's more like what he did. Um, but, yeah, I thought this movie should have been called Han and Chewie. I really liked that. I liked the sequence of them, him meeting him, and it was very reminiscent of Return of the Jedi when he's blind in there and doesn't know Chewie is. Mm-hmm. Um, what else in terms of the Han and Chewie aspect? I just made me want to see another Han and Chewie movie. Maybe yeah, not necessarily totally. with these... Uh, is this trilogy still on? The proposed trilogy within this? Or... The last I, I don't know. It it's off, yeah. yeah. It's it's gonna. I think it's gonna depend on um, where they. I don't know. Like the the overall pull and what they. You know what can we learn from this? You know moving forward. It. I'd be. I'd be a little surprised if they cut bait. At this one, but but I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see I'd be surprised play. if they cut it. Cut bait with all these characters because you can do 
Kenobi and have Han Solo show up in that or something. You know, yeah, Han and Chewie come rescue mm-hmm. Obi Wan out of some situation or whatever. Um, I don't know. I think they could do that. I I think these characters work. I just don't know if the fans as a movie could agree on a lot of things and it's just an argument for argument's sake in a lot of areas. But, um, we need to talk about the, um, Kessel run big sequence. Again, paint by numbers. I used that term earlier, but you knew that was coming in this movie somewhere. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I thought it was an exciting sequence. Thought it was exhilarating. Um, I liked their loophole work around uh, the fact that it's a, measure of distance and not time because George Lucas made that mistake in the screenplay, right? Yeah. Wasn't that it? Like he thought it was distance or time or vice versa. And uh, it ends up being distance because he takes a shortcut. So I liked that too. I liked Mm -hmm. that. And uh, I thought it was an exciting sequence. I thought the, I thought all the action sequences were really, really well done, spread out the train sequence, this, um, the party yacht, right? Cantina. Yeah. All that. I thought that was really good. Mm -hmm. And I liked that the, ultimate ultimate battle of this movie takes place like in a dude's like uh office building right like yeah. in his his office with yeah. the uh smaller scale the fight with yeah. the yeah really small scale it's pretty cool and uh felt natural and and good with uh yeah and right for this uh, story and character um, i thought i thought to the kessel run thing mm-hmm. it was done really well that was a f- really fun sequence um that that was the m- that whole set, which is, I don't know, it's probably like, it's like a 12 or 15 minute scene. That was where I felt the most Star Wars-y. Like I just was really, um, felt at home and it was, it worked really well for me. But it also led to, for me, the best line in the whole movie is when they're, um, offloading the, uh, the fuel and he's saying, yeah, there's 12 parsecs and Chewie growls at him and he says, not if you round down, pal. That's, mm-hmm. that was a really funny Bit. And it just kind of adds to the the Han Solo mystique, like this super cocky <laughs> dude and what he so I, I thought that was that was really well done and a funny bit. Um let's see, let's talk about some Easter eggs here. Uh not really Easter eggy, but they had no R two D two or C three PO in this movie, uh for the first time. So that mm-hmm. was a welcome subtraction, yeah. in my opinion. But both of them are in the movie. Warwick right, Davis the actors, and, uh, Anthony uh, Daniels. An- yeah, uh, Warwick Davis played um, the Ewok. Kenny Baker's actually passed. Who played? Oh, that's right, R2 Kenny D2. Baker. My fault. Yeah, my fault. Um, I like the fake detonator. When he says he has a thermal detonator, but he actually has a rock. Right, mm-hmm. in one of the f- yeah. first sequences in the movie. Also, a nod to Luke throwing the rock to destroy the Sarlacc monster or whatever it is, the uh, Rancor pit monster. The Rancor, yeah. In the Return of the Jedi. Um, there's also a line from C-3PO. I believe it's in the, uh, a new hope where he goes aboard the millennium Falcon and he, he talks about, um, whereas your ship learned to communicate, it's got a peculiar language to it. You know, I'm oh, having yeah. trouble and that's a really cool explanation with the L3, uh, Nava computer and having the weird dialect and all that. Um, that's a small note to kind of uh, bring that, make that a natural fit. But uh, I was surprised to learn that um, was, in fact, the case. Also, Han wearing a fur coat through a lot of this. Um, There's a deleted scene with Jabba the Hutt in in A New Hope that was cut out where Jabba was actually like a guy. And the guy was wearing a fur coat that was eerily reminiscent of the coat that Han wears in this movie. Yeah, And that's probably... 
about what that's a reference to. Um, so here's the thing, Brian. There's references to the Pike sisters here. There's characters mentioned throughout that are only mentioned or in the extended universe and Shadows of the Empire and things like that. Is this right. movie essentially saying anything's fair game now? And it's testing the waters in terms of that, in terms of it's all canon now? Because it felt th- like that to the to me. I th- look, I think it I think the idea is we had to you have to toss out all of the all of the extended universe. They had to do that when they started over. Like when they got when Lucas film was sold to Disney, you can't carry on with all of this stuff out there because if you do, then it be because Star Wars was very the Star Wars fan base was rapidly becoming and some maybe still is becoming um Star Trekian, you know, Trekkie-ish of like, well, but it happened in this book by Kevin J Anderson and it's just uh, it's it's exhausting. And so, but there are there are some really cool characters in those books, in those comics, in those video games and stuff. And there's some cool characters, there's some cool sequences, there's some cool sets. And you've, you know, we've seen that like with Rebels, Rebels brought back uh, Grand, Grand Admiral Thrawn, and there's others throughout that make sense. And so to me, I took all those notes, and I'm, I'm sure I didn't even catch half of them because I don't, you know, my extended universe knowledge is only goes so far. But I took every one of those that I caught, I took more as a one of two things either it's kind of like a just a, an inside throw in joke to uh to the like hardcore nerd fans or as much as anything i think it just says we can do whatever we want with all of these extra these characters and 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 settings and stories and stuff that are out there if we want to bring them in we'll bring them in and we'll make them part of the canon so i like that that to me that kind of was just a suggestion of like anything is fair game at this point like we have to throw this out because it just it does not make sense to continue to allow this to be canon and to deal with that crap for the rest of time, you know, where people are losing their minds over that doesn't jive with Rebel Squadron Seventeen or whatever. And so, <laughs> but it it makes sense. It, it it makes sense to say, hey, these are some popular characters, or these are some cool things that we could do that happened in that universe. I bet we can figure out a way to work those in again, and just just as they've done with. With uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn on Rebels, just as they did even with with uh, Darth Maul with with Clone Wars and Rebels, and now and now this. So I, I I thought that was a really smart. It reminded me a lot of like how J.J. Abrams kind of attempted to reset the Star Trek universe with that first Star Trek movie of um, with Spock basically saying anything is acceptable at this point or anything is real at this point. Basically, I thought it was that was smart and it was a nice. And those are fun throw-ins if you do catch those references that that completely go over the head of like ninety percent of the people watching, right? And I, I, that's there's something there's some value in that as well. Yeah, um, let's talk about the reveal. Um, I didn't see that coming. I knew it was probably a possibility at some point. I didn't think it'd be this film that they would go that direction. Uh, I've seen the Star Wars Rebel stuff, um, but bringing back Darth Maul. I don't know how I feel about it because I mean, literally the only reason the character exists is because they needed somebody to have a dual edge lightsaber, right? Because <laughs> they never had that. We, we need a dual edge lightsaber. We've never, Yoda, Yoda needs to fight. He's never fought before. 
Uh, no, he doesn't need to fight. We don't need Yoda doing backflips. Um, not everything that hasn't been done needs to be done in Star Wars. I think that, I asked that's if they had one, one and, they, and but, it said he had two. But, and I was uh, like, oh, dark, two's dark, what happens. All right. Dark, okay. dark Maul died in, in The Phantom Menace. That's not, it didn't ha- it's not what happens. He doesn't live. Um, but, I mean, it's fan servicey to bring him back, in my opinion. I don't. I don't care. Personally, I don't care to see ever see any more Darth Maul in my Star Wars. But, I mean, I guess they owe it to the character a little bit if he has that much of a fan base to give him some kind of a story or voice in the series other than just being a guy who shows up and says two things and then gets cut in half. Um, I kind of cringed when they brought him back, to be honest. Uh, I would have... I would have preferred Darth Vader or somebody like that. Just it would have felt more natural to Solo. I don't know why he had to bring Darth Maul in a Solo movie, but uh, but yeah, that looked fine. Cool to see Ray Park. I don't know why they have red holograms now. Apparently, <laughs> um, red and blue, multicolored and holograms. Um, but yeah, what uh, what did you think, Brian? Or did you? kind of roll your eyes were you like oh yeah cause we, had a, we had a few uh people that were stoked but once i realized where they were going i was just like uh i ho- i was just glad he didn't like fight at the end of this movie or something yeah i i think if if he would have gone to that extreme i would have been a little eye rolly on it um but i thought i'll 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 take the opposite side of that i i think one of the biggest criticisms of phantom menace has always been like you have this really cool, interesting, uh, exciting villain who's sort of, in, in a lot of ways, is kind of the antithesis of, of Darth Vader. Um, and you killed him off in the first, you know, in the first movie that he's there. You immediately just kill him off. He has three lines of dialogue, and uh, and he's gone. So that's always been a big. I feel like has always been a big what if amongst the Star Wars fan base community of just like, man, I wish that guy was still around and. Um, I think it kind of that to me to me that like that's the type of character that could work if this does get another tri- you know another movie or a trilogy or whatever or if you spin these characters off into the other standalones whatever you want to do with it that's a really fun interesting he's kind of a he can be he's like he's so cool looking that if you can just make that character in any way at all compelling and of course who knows if they'll be able to pull that off but that's one that could really be the the focus of uh the the standalone movies if you need like some kind of overarching villain that's somebody you can just drop into Uh any of these movies and he brings it like i think that i think that works i think that works really well and if you go vader then you just get into all kinds of things of like where is this in the timeline and how do you how is he fighting here while he's also on the the big star destroyer and trying to track people down on hoth and stuff it's just i don't know like that that to me is like uh, we need we need somebody that can we could we need a big bad that we can drop in whenever we need to and fans are super interested in Darth Maul so that to me that's like we're a combination of fan service and uh, projection of good plotting 
sort of work hand in hand. I, I liked it. You're you're right. I, if if it turns into like now I'm gonna fight and show off my lightsaber and stuff, then you're like, okay, that's not what this movie's about at all. But instead, it's it's three minutes and it's a payoff to kind of stuff that we had seen coming for the entirety of the movie. And I I don't know, it worked for me. I, I didn't. I was not upset with it. It worked for me in the moment, but. I guess I just see it as now we're going to get a ton of Darth Maul in our lives, which I don't, I don't know. I don't care about Maul. It's just, to me, he looks like he's straight out of a seven dust video or something. You know, I just don't <laughs> like, he's just so done with like all of that part of that part of the aughts, you know, that I just don't want to, it just feels so cheap to go to bring him back. But, um, Hey, it's cheap to make a solo movie and here we are. An hour and 30 minutes into our conversation about it. I um, thought it was a little bit long. It was two hours, 15 minutes. Could have been an hour 40, I think. Um, I liked the escape pod, too, with the Kessel Run. We didn't mention that. That was explained the shape of the ship. Uh, we didn't yeah, say that uh, Paul Bettany has the Raiders of the Lost Ark idol on his shelf in the... Uh, in his, I guess, office. Um, what else here? Looking through my notes, Crimson Dawn. Are we going to get more from them in terms of uh, a movie? I think they were setting up a trilogy here, obviously, with these three. And, uh, you know, maybe Han having to win back Kira at the end and uh, win back perhaps Beckett and fight Darth Maul or leading somewhere. Uh, I I've seen that as we're just planting that seed to eventually set up Kenobi and that he has a, uh, uh, that he has a, you know, rematch or whatever with, um, Darth Maul, which I don't know if they had much of a history to begin with or not, but, uh, I don't know. It, it didn't, it didn't trigger any excitement for me, but, uh, I don't speak for everyone, obviously, mm-hmm. but, what do you guys uh, have to say about this in terms of uh, closing thoughts? Anything I didn't mention over all my notes? Um, let me go over mine again while you guys are talking. Oh, the fact that, that Han is the kind of spark of rebellion, that he started the rebellion or was in the yeah, infancy stage of, of it. I kind of like yeah, that. Yeah, that's kind of cyclical. I like that. Yeah. I thought that was good. I love the redemption of the idea of uh, – because I <sighs> – the whole I don't want to get super nerdy into it, but like the whole uh Han shot first thing I yeah. loved. I, I thought that was I thought it was a a little a lot more subtle than I was expecting. Subtle may not even be the right word, but it wasn't like, hey, did you guys see? He shot first. He shot first. Um it felt like it was really well planted within that story and and the back and forth that he'd been having with Beckett for the whole movie and stuff, and it was it was sort of a, it was a nice little redemption for, uh, yeah, for that whole concept, you know. And uh, I mentioned Jabba earlier, but I think we predicted in our, in our uh, pre- preview episode or trailer episode that you know this movie was going to end with him like walking into the can- cantina, right, or something, something along those lines. I thought they did a good job of not biting the bait on going all in on the Jabba stuff. They mentioned it like you know, setting up a crime ring on Tatooine or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. that's really it. And they don't go down that road. They don't have salacious crumb like chasing him or anything like that or recruiting him. Uh, so that 
that was a relief too because they could have gone down that road. That could have been Jabba in that hologram instead of Darth Maul, you know, or something like that. But uh, they didn't do that. That was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to see young Jabba. He's ugly. <laughs> okay, I think we're at the point of grades. Yeah, yeah, sure. You got anything else, RB? I'll take the him being asleep as a no. No, I didn't. I didn't realize this was the same Han Solo from the other movies. So that was cool. That was a different. <laughs> it's a nice tie-in. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea till the end. If you had known oh, that going Darth in, Maul. you might have liked it. Yeah. yeah no. I, I Wait, what? No. no, I did like it. I liked it. But I should love a Han Solo movie. That's my point. That would be my critique. That's fair. Yeah. Well, uh, I liked this vastly more than Rogue One the first time. Um, I liked it more than The Last Jedi the first time. Um, Don't know about The Force Awakens. And I gave The Last Jedi, I believe, an A- on my Star Wars scale, all things considered. This is a better movie, in my opinion. Um, So I'm going to give this a patented Kent Garrison (laughs) A- plus. Right in between an A- and an A. (laughs) I like it. I like it. Yeah, for me, it's uh, like I said. I don't. I don't think it's as. It's hard to compare. I don't know. It's like the difference between good and 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 favorite. Um, I, I think Last Jedi is probably better than this. I think this is better than Rogue One. I think I gave Rogue One at like an A minus. So it's not like it's significantly better than that. But it's it, to me. It was just so enjoyable. I just had a lot of fun with it. Um, I, I think I had, I think I had the experience with it that you were hoping for, Richard. It just, it worked a lot better for me on that front, and uh, and it was just a fun theater experience. I don't know. Maybe it helped that I had a good theater that the crowd was into it, and there was I'm a happy. lot of laughter. I'd rather you have it than stuff. me. <laughs> so I'll go a minus with it. But I'm kind of in the. I'm I'm kind of with you. Can't like it's. Um, it's it's closer to an A than than I, it's certainly closer to an A than I expected. I said I've said for the last few months, like all I really wanted from this, and maybe this is the the whole the whole thing is just expectation. I I've said forever, like if this is a B plus movie, and I walk out saying, oh yeah, that was fun, that was a lot of fun, that's fine. Um, then I'll be satisfied and content with it. And you're right, Richard, that shouldn't be the standard for all Star Wars movies, but I am getting to the point where I feel like it's an acceptable standard for some Star Wars movies, whether that's a good thing or a bad. Maybe that's me normalizing um, lesser Star Wars films. But So it's an A- for me, um, and the kid loved it, too. That probably helps as well. He had, I meant to ask you that. I literally wrote that down. What did Cooper think? Because oh, it's man. kind of, yeah, in a lot he, of ways, it's for him, right? Yes, it's 100%. He, he, de- he definitely enjoyed this far more than Last Jedi or uh, Rogue One. It's awesome. I mean, and we've watched Last Jedi a ton of times since it came out on Blu-ray or whatever, and he's really into it. But the theater experience for this was better than probably any movie we've we've ever seen together. Like he just he he loved it. So that that certainly certainly helps. Uh, RB, what's your grade? Thinking. I want to make sure I get this right. This is a lot of pressure because uh, <laughs> I'm going to go. I got to go with my heart. I'm going to go with my heart. I'm going to go B minus. Okay. Cool. Fair. Totally fair. I'm a little surprised that the audience score is as low as it is on on RT. 
uh, Brian. Um, mm. In my opinion, every Star Wars fan needs to see this movie. And I don't understand why Star Wars fans dislike it so much. That's what's so confusing. <laughs> it's not the general public that's disliking it. It's that, like, Star Wars fans are hating on this. Like, the backlash yeah. has been unbelievable. And I don't we're understand just, why. We're getting into a bad space, they, dude. They're getting it, too protective, man. Just oh, freaking enjoy yourself and go and and accept that, like... There's going to be new movies, and like your Star Wars no. isn't isn't like your sacred. They were also excited anymore. when Disney bought the rights, right? Everyone was yeah. partying in the streets, and then when yeah. they start yeah. making movies, they're like, "But it's not Empire." I, they're yeah. freaking ruining it for everybody. The fanboys are ruining it for everybody, and yeah, no, totally. Dude. Why can't totally. we just? I mean, have fun. I don't understand it's a, that. It's a whole other conversation, but it is we, and I'll include myself in that we as a group are becoming insufferable and it's yeah you know it, it's we're turning into trekkies and it's that should be the for for so long uh, whatever the whole debate between those two franchises and 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 this this fan base now is just playing directly into it and it's so frustrating i cannot tell you how many people i saw over the weekend who i reported them all to twitter who tweeted something of their ranking of the <laughs> star wars films and had uh, it was the original three, then the prequels, then all of the new Star Wars movies. And I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> you know, GTFO, man. Like, I just cannot, I cannot handle that, that type of slander in my timeline. Um, but it's, you know, that's, that's the, yeah. it's here's kind of the, the correct ranking. Yeah. yeah. Like, I oh, can't stand that. Get, get your prequel crap out of my time. But anyway, it's, it's a, it is what it is. If you like, hate the movie, you number hate the movie. One. It's all good. It's, it is what it is. But, but the, that you're right. It's the. It's not that the. Oh, I didn't like that movie, or even I hate that movie. It's the. Well, it's not as good as Luca. It's just I can't. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it. And I've been a part of that group. I feel like for for I don't know. Maybe I'm just I'm groupless, guys. That's maybe that's maybe that's the whole point at this point. Anyway, man, and I hate to admit it too, in a way that I feel like George Lucas is right about a lot of this, man. When he sold. The, for the property to Disney, and he's like, Disney wants to make movies for the fans. They don't want to take risks. They don't. They don't want new stories. When I, he's like, when I approached Disney and said, "Here's my idea for what I want the new Star Wars to be," they rejected it because it was all new stuff. They want to go back to the well and they want to do what is proven to make money. And they, it's honestly a surprise that they even did The Force Awakens with new characters. I mean, they only did it because probably the legacy people agreed to come back, right? Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, right? Uh, Carrie Fisher. Um, it's just a shock that um, they haven't d- tried to do more original stuff because you would think they would want to pave their own way in a sense. But um, yeah, but so but far also, they've been playing it, it safe. It takes time. I mean, it just takes time yeah. to do that stuff. And I, I thought. But it's funny that right out of the gate, that's what they did, was made something completely new and said, well, Mm -hmm. here it is. Sure. Here's Ray and Finn. Hope you like it. You know, that was their first move out of the box instead of um, just doing a whole movie based on Han Solo and Luke Skywalker in their old age with new kids, you know, coming along at some point. Um, I think that's where they're going to have success is when they go, when they take risks and... um, Maybe this was just a little too safe in the end, and they ended up paying the price for that, um, so to speak. But um, I don't think this is a failure. I think time is going to be a lot kinder to this one than 
mm-hmm. other yeah. Star Wars movies, totally especially agree. Rogue One and even The Last Jedi. I think I think you're going to see uh, you know videos in the next you know at the end of this year that are like why solo is the best star Wars movie of all time. Here's the proof. Right. And all these, it's going to become a cult classic. I feel like in a way. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that I enjoyed it the first time around. Um, good talk guys. Good talk. Let's, uh, end this show with a weekly recommend. Weekly recommend. Richard, since you've been gone, catch us up on some of your recommends. There's only one thing to recommend right now, and there's a lot going on in the culture. There's a new Pusha T record, and then a Drake response, and now another Pusha T response. There is new Arrested Development. There's new everything right now. There's there's movies, there's TV. It's a good... May has been good to us. Um, but I'm going to think... I'm going to go with the only thing that matters right now. Poopity-scoopity. Boop. Poopity-scoop. Boop. No, the only thing that matters right now, and I'm going to go super old man here, the best the best two people on the planet. Uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short have a comedy special on Netflix. And Yay. you'll forget for the rest of your lives. It's hysterical. I was uh, in we, I, I was in Europe last week, and so I came back home, and I was a little jet lagged, so I got up and went to Einstein's Bagels at uh, 6.15 in the morning on Saturday, because I like to party. And then I came home with my ba- beautiful, uh, I went jalapeno Jalapeno cheese, cheese yeah. Asiago. Jalapeno, yeah, and, and then a little garlic and herb schmear. Beautiful. Had that, and uh, it was then like 6.26 a.m. And I put on, I hit Netflix, and I saw that, and I watched it, and I had my coffee, and it was a great Saturday morning. So uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short are hilarious. It's a, basically an hour and 20 minutes of them just insulting each other. Um, and they're the best, and I. They are basically, if you're interested in American treasuredom, um, there's no better masterclass than Martin and Martin, right, Brian? Right, Kent? Yeah, oh, absolutely. North American treasure. Yeah, well, Martin one Short. North American treasure, one one American treasure. Yeah. but uh, but they're the they're the best, and it's it's a really funny, really funny, unique special. In addition to probably that, and the Mulaney special within two or three weeks has kind of spoiled us. So. It's, uh, it's good times on the Netflix world. Brian, what about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to recommend a book um, that I listened to over the last week or two. It is called Shoe Dog. It is uh, sort of a oh, memoir. Phil Knight one? You know yeah, there's like Phil a young Knight. adult version where they edit out all the creepy stuff? Have you seen this? <laughs> no. Sorry. Yeah, there's a young adult the version pants of that DJ, The Pants DJ version? Yeah, the non-Pants exactly. DJ version? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. That's for our Dallas fans, nice. It's nice, interesting. Uh, yeah, it's it's Phil Knight's book. It's he's the uh, creator of of Nike, and it kind of just charts his uh, his origin story, if you will, and then his his the rise of of his company and and what he went through. It was it's really good. It's um it's it's not it's not like anything that's kind of uh, going to change the world. I don't think, but if I, and in some ways, I wish it was longer or continue like it kind of ends in 1982 or something so it's mostly just the the rise of nike it's not really telling the uh the since then story but that's it's fine it's 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 really well written and 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 a good i did the old audible and it was a good listen pretty good narrator and uh it was pretty interesting pretty interesting story the guy's got a lot of uh a lot of interesting 
parts to uh, to his his rise to uh, to I don't know fame, but success for sure. So, uh, Shoe Dog, Phil Knight, pretty good. Kent, what you recommend? Very cool. Um, just a just a comment on Richard's recommend. Um, I'm glad they brought that to Netflix because I feel like I've tried to go see that show like ten times. Yeah, we got never it all. It's yeah. coming back. It's coming back to get, Dallas. It'll be a live it? pod after. It's Windstar. Oh, gotcha. Uh, so, as for non-geographical people, that's an Indian casino or Native American casino, rather in uh, in uh, the literally the border of Texas and Oklahoma, about an hour drive. We should do that though. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm with you, Ken. I've tried like four times to see it and see their show, and every time it's just been some weird thing like oh crap that's like the one night in the month that i can't make it happen mm-hmm. or whatever so mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'm gonna have to check that out i haven't i haven't watched it on netflix let's yet, get but let's to. tailgate it yeah, you should let's do it get in line we'll grill we'll grill out in the windstar parking lot and then just play the banjo mm-hmm. yeah right. play the banjo i know about six chords on banjo yeah. and then we can uh and then do you can do ed brimley <laughs> <laughs> I must say, and then we'll just intimidate people, and then force them to do shots with us. It'll be right. super weird, and then we will just crush electronic craps. Just crush it. <laughs> that's the that's the best odds in the world. Ele- anytime you can play a dice game electronically, do it because the odds are way <laughs> right. Yeah, it's definitely not a scam by the casino at all. Yeah. Anyway, good Kent, stuff. what's your recommend? sorry? <laughs> oh, it's good. I love this. This is my favorite segment of the show where you just kind of go <laughs> off the rails and it's like a it's a late night uh, edition. Um, I'm going to recommend a movie that I saw a few weeks ago, maybe about a, three weeks ago, a month ago. Um, it's on the complete opposite side of the spectrum as Solo or Deadpool or Avengers. Um, a really small movie I saw at the Angelica. Um, I'd seen the trailer a while ago and one day just saw that it was playing and quickly went up there and saw it. Uh, it's called The Writer. Have you guys seen this trailer? No. Uh-uh. This is a movie directed by a girl named Chloe Zhao who directed it, wrote it. Um, this is a movie about a cowboy, a real you know, modern-day cowboy who does bull riding in rodeos? And oh it's, yeah, it's a real cowboy. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like it's like a he's heard na- about this. Yeah, his name is um, Brady Jandro. Um, his name is Brady Blackbird in the movie, but um, it's yeah, based on it's based on him and his life as a bull rider essentially, or a bo- uh, bronco bucking bronco rider. Um, so what happened with this movie, a story behind it is Chloe was interviewing him for another movie or, um, or interviewing Brady because he was teaching her how to ride a horse or train horses for movies or something like that. And she met him and was like, wow, you're a really interesting guy. I want to put, I want to do a movie with you or something. And he's like, listen, I can't, I, I got kicked by a horse you know, I cracked my skull or I fell off a horse and cracked my skull. I can't, you know, can't do anything for however many months. And she ended up writing the movie about his struggle with the injury and the fact that he can't do what he loves, which is ride horses and compete and do all that. And it stars him, the bull rider, uh, Brady, or the rodeo guy, the, the bronc rider, and his actual dad and his actual sister, 
who is autistic, and that's part of the movie too, is dealing with that, his family life and everything. It was shot fantastic. I just was gorgeous. I mean, it's like the American West, but it's shot in like South Dakota is what it's set in. So it's not like the typical Fort Worth rodeo scene or anything. It was, mm. it was a super obscure part of America. Unbelievable movie. Uh, features, actually, we've recommended before, Quaker City Nighthawks in the movie. Nice. Twice in the movie. I was blown away by that. The little Easter egg for uh, for our listeners and for me. Um, so very cool to see that. And can't recommend this enough. Um, maybe my favorite movie of the year so far, The Writer. Check it out mm. if it's... Um, still playing it might still be playing in some smaller theaters but it was a really really solid movie and um i just love stories like that about a you know person writing a movie and going and doing it and um chloe Zhao, check her out and she is one to uh definitely keep an eye out um for here in the next uh, couple years or so but yeah the writer that's my recommend go out and see it if you can before the next that might be one might be one we hear about later in the year it did pretty well in the independent yeah. film circuit. And Hornaday is a big and, fan. Is she? Okay, cool. I hadn't heard much about it. Like, I saw the trailer, I think, when I went and saw um, Last um, Last Flag Flying last year at the Angelica, and then um, randomly saw that it was playing there. I don't know if it's been advertised a lot, but uh, it's definitely worth your time if you can seek it out. Uh, the Rider, or check it out on, like, Redbox or something if uh, if you can. That's my recommend. Good times, good conversation tonight on all levels um next week is going to be a little bit different i think we're talking oceans and oceans 11 oceans trilogy throwing it back mm-hmm. to that in anticipation for oceans 8 coming out the week after so it'll be a little bit of a down week but we're gonna we're gonna drop a, a throwback episode for you guys nonetheless uh go back and see avengers go back and see deadpool 2 go back and see solo again uh, and uh, and enjoy those episodes. But until go then, see a yeah. movie we're all releasing. Um, it's a documentary. Sorry, a, a McCarthy origin documentary. Mm, so go see that. That comes finally. out next week. Yes, Gosh. not Melissa McCarthy origin. McCarthy, <laughs> yeah. the Umbrella Company. Yeah, obviously duh. the fame. Um, I think that's important. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I need to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's take our audience seriously, okay? <laughs> well, where can we find you online, Brian? You can find me on the Twitter at Beagle12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter, which will be out uh, maybe next week. We'll see. Never. Pretty soon. Pretty hey, yeah. soon. RP, sure. where can we I can find you? Good stuff on. Uh, you can find me on all the social medias uh, at Richard Barden. Think about deleting Snapchat, though. I'm kind of over Snapchat. So just FYI. One of us. One of us. I hate just I'm so glad I'm. I- I liked it for so long, and then it just got weird on me. I don't know. I get a lot of weird snaps from people. Mm. I'm not a fan. Anyway, I'm going to learn how to cut audio, and I'm going to take that snippet of this podcast and play it with a Sarah McLachlan song mixed in the background. Just get ready for that. I prefer Shaggy's Angel. If you're going to pick an angel... Between Sarah McLaughlin and Shaggy, always go Shaggy. Shout out! You don't get you don't get to censor it's my Kent's heart. Favorite, it's Kent's favorite thing I've ever done. Life is one big party when you're still young. <laughs> Who's gonna sick. have your back when it's all done? And sick dogs. There's nothing better. Uh, you can find me on all that at Richard Barden. Kent, where can I find you? You can find me on the Twitter, the Insta, and the Snap at Kent Garrison. I'm Team Snap. I'm, I'm not about these Insta stories business. I'm OG. You'll get there. And uh, yeah, 
Find us online, madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Hit subscribe. We have new episodes weekly. If you want more than just an episode a week, join our VIP club and uh, join us over there where the conversation is just about to get started, actually. We'll see you guys Days over here in about... this week. Yeah, we're going to talk Days of Confused here in about oh. two and a half minutes. So mm. get over there for that conversation. And uh, until next week, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you at the cinema. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling for salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I've got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. They're calling again.